You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Culture of Leadership. We have conversations that help you develop and become a more confident leader. Most people live a life filled with regrets over missed opportunities, missed relationships, and missed adventure and fun. Boldness is the solution. Boldness can be learned. Anyone can rapidly increase their boldness in a remarkably short time. This is my conversation with Fred Joyle, where we unpack boldness. Fred is the author of Wall Street Journal bestseller, Super Bold, from underconfident to charismatic in 90 days. He also co-founded the most successful dentist referral service in the US. 1-800-DENTIST. Bold people are the ones who make a difference in the world. Living boldly is the difference between love and loneliness, success and failure, regret and fulfillment. And the best thing, anyone can learn it. We start the conversation by understanding the difference between being confident and being bold. This is the Culture of Leadership podcast. I'm Brendan Rogers. Sit back and enjoy my conversation with Fred. Two very different things, actually. Confidence is how you feel about yourself. Boldness is what you do in in action. So it's one is passive, and one is one is a feeling, and one is is a course of action. And we'll we, we'll get into this certainly. But most people think, well, in order to be bold, I have to be confident, and it's actually the other way around. Bold action is where you build your confidence. Bold people are, they don't feel confident many times, but they, they act anyway. They say, Oh, why not? Let's see what happens. And they try something and they, and something unexpected good happens and they, or they learn something or they fail and they say, Wow, I, I need to get better at this. But it was kind of interesting to try anyway. They don't, you know, and this is another theme we'll hit is bold people would rather try and fail than not try. Whereas most people are so afraid to fail, they don't try, which guarantees failure in an essence by not doing it at all. And so there's, there's, a, there's a good contrast and you actually can build your confidence by bold action. And that's really how I approach it is I'm, I'm teaching bold action so that people move into their discomfort zone, which is where they're not as confident, and then they get stronger and stronger so that they're bold when it matters. Because that's what happens is a lot of times we feel pretty confident, we feel pretty bold until something important comes up. We really want to meet somebody. We really need to speak up about something. We need to uh, stand up for something. We need to quit our job, quit our marriage, uh, you know, start a business, those things where you, you have to step up. And a lot of times that window is open for minutes or even seconds. And if you don't seize it, it's gone forever and all you get is regret to stack up. When did you make the realization that being bold leads to confidence as opposed to the other way around? The reason I ask that is because I was very much of the opinion and thinking that having confidence enables you to be bold. I think it's because I had to teach myself to be bold because I wasn't. I was incredibly underconfident. I grew up very shy missed all sorts of opportunities, missed relationships, missed adventure, and missed, missed promotions, missed, missed learning and growth because of it. And I started, I said, and it made me angry. And that was kind of what prompted me to start working on it. And so I said, 
why are these bold people like this? Are they born this way? Why don't they feel fear and rejection like I do? And so I just started emulating them, even though I was really uncomfortable. And I was really awkward and clumsy at it until I wasn't. And I got a little better. I got a little better socially. I got a little more out there and daring. And what happened is I was rewarded for it over and over again in ways that I thought, oh, this is going to be really scary. And one, if it didn't go well, it just wasn't that bad that it didn't go well because I decided not to worry about what people think. And, you know, I decided not to be embarrassed. What a lot of people don't realize is embarrassment is a choice. You can choose to not be embarrassed about something that somebody, people will be embarrassed for you. And you go, I don't know why you're embarrassed for me. I'm not embarrassed. You can choose that. And, I'm, and probably in your life, you can think of times where you were embarrassed and you look back now and say, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have to be embarrassed. Everybody, it was funny because now when I tell people about it, they laugh, right? So it's actually a good story. So uh, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm going in several directions here, but it, it was that exploration of boldness and realizing that I was building my confidence by being bold, even when I didn't feel comfortable. I was totally in my discomfort zone, and I just started to say, why not, instead of listening to the voice in my head that would say, they're going to laugh at you, you're going to be embarrassed, you're going to fail, the, the tapes that we all so effectively play for ourselves whenever we want to step out of our comfort zone. Fred, when you started 1-800-DENTIST back in the 80s, did you do that off the back of boldness, or did you do that off the back of confidence? Let's call it naivete, uh, <laughs> more accurately. <laughs> I was young and dumb enough and naive enough to think I could pull off starting a business. And I, because what I had learned, you, you know, it's, it's, you learn what you, the paths you don't want to go down. And my partner and I both didn't want to be employees. We didn't want to work for somebody else. So we said, look, we're either going to figure out how to solve this by starting a business, or we're going to realize we're not capable of it, and we're going to go to work for somebody like we've already done. And so we just, we had each other and complementary skills and a lot of trust with each other. And we just kept going at it every day. And eventually you get, the other thing about growth is when you don't give yourself a way out, you have to figure things out. And when you borrow money from your family and you sign personally on a lease that goes on for five years, whether the business does or not, every day you got to figure it out and make go through the twists and turns, hiring the wrong people, you know, mismanaging your money, not listening to the marketplace. You learn all of those things along the way because you have to and you get better and you get better at leading people because all your problems are going to come from people you're, you're, and, and all, your, all your benefits are going to come from people, from the relationships with your customers or your vendors. I mean, I, I have a vendor or two that basically saved my business because we had such a good relationship. And it, that's, that's what can happen when you just you enter the arena and just hope there's a sword in that scabbard when you walk into the middle of the arena and just start swinging. Your book is called Super Bold. Yes. What's the difference between being bold and being super bold? Uh, being super bold means you can summon your boldness in the most important situations. You, you can always summon it. Whether you are confident or not, you are going to step up. You're going to speak up. You're going to take action. You're going to try something. And especially when it matters, when it's really important, you're not going to hesitate because hesitation is the opportunity killer. And so when you're super bold, you never hesitate. You see that person you want to meet, really successful business person you've always wanted to meet or somebody as a potential mate, and you walk right across the room and start talking to them and you have and behave like a normal person and have a normal conversation because you've built your boldness muscles so that your mouth works and your brain works and your creativity works and you project what is essentially charisma that's all charisma really is is you're always acting like you belong wherever you are sometimes you don't even feel like you belong there but you act like you belong there anyway 
and people treat you that way. But people are drawn to people who are comfortable wherever they are, whatever the situation. And so that's what super boldness is, is you're getting all the way to charismatic, not in some show off way or, or, you know, life of the party kind of way, but you're, you don't stop yourself. You're never the one hesitating and, and talking yourself out of something. You're the one that says, I'm going in, I'm stepping up. Fred, you may have seen our charismatic, or my daughter's charismatic cat has just joined us, Alfie, as well. Did you notice yep. him? <laughs> I saw the tail pass by. He's definitely super bold, this one, mate. <laughs> they they feel they should be involved in every podcast. My cat is the right. same way. Isn't it? And I, I've got sick of just locking him up and stuff and just let him let him flow, let him be part of the, part of the atmosphere, yeah. I guess. When did you make this transition? Because I know, again, from your book and what you referred to, you haven't always been bold and super bold. When did this become important for you? When did you realize, hey, this is, this is harming my future or the future I want for me? I think it was uh, uh, upon reflection of, of, how, of, of this buildup of missed opportunities, of playing over what I could have said if I'd only spoken up, who I could have met. And, I, and there were just two or three times. One was a, a, a relationship that if I had just spoken up, could have been an amazing relationship, could have, could have been a, a, a lifelong mate. It had that potential, but I didn't speak up. And then years later, I, she said, I was really interested, but you know, he, never, he never made a move. And hearing that, you know, when I've had great relationships, I've had fabulous love in my life. So it, it wasn't that I that I it's never going to happen again. It's that hearing that she was interested, and all I had to do was speak up, and I missed out on however long or however great that relationship was going to be. It, there was nothing because of it. That gnawed at me enough to say, "All right, this cannot continue," and it you know that becomes the impetus to say, I, I have to fix this. I have to change this. I have to, I'm not going to define myself by as an introvert or shy. There are times when I feel shy. There's times when I feel introverted, but I don't have to behave that way. But because th those things are behaviors. When people define themselves as shy, I said, you're, you're, you're building a cage and you're the, you're the one who has the key to the door. You know, you're locking yourself in. Nobody's building this cage for you, but They'll reinforce it if you, yeah, I am shy. I don't want to, you know, I don't dance. It's like every child dances. And then all of a sudden between 10 and 14 years old, three quarters of them can't dance anymore because they've told themselves like, that uh, I don't like, I'm not good at it. Guess what? Plenty of people who are dancing are not good at it. And they don't care. Plenty of people doing karaoke can't sing. They don't care because they're having fun. So guess who's having a better life? The person who stops themselves because they go, oh, I'm not, I don't have my own karaoke song. I haven't rehearsed it. I haven't practiced it. I'm not a great singer. Or the person who, who's got all their friends cheering them on, even though they suck at the microphone. Right? They're just like horrible, but they're having so much fun that the whole audience is having fun too. Which path do you want to go? It's a choice. Yeah, I, and I, I said, I gotta, I'm, I'm choosing to, to be uncomfortable till I'm comfortable. And, and to not, never miss another opportunity again when it matters. I think there's so many examples, isn't there, in life when it's like referring to say, I'm shy, as you referred to. Well, yeah. maybe part the problem is that if I say I'm shy, that's the first part of the problem because as you referred to it, you're making that cage. So although it might, if you hear my singing voice, mate, like I definitely can't sing. I'm not sure I will ever be able to sing even if I tell myself I can sing. <laughs> is being is becoming bold and becoming super bold that easy just telling yourself that you're going to be more bold you're going to be super bold that's the beginning of it and then the next step and it's it's the way i designed the book is it starts with changing your mindset and having key insights and understanding how you can build your boldness muscle and then it's a series of exercises in the book so that when it doesn't matter, you're busy bolding your muscle, your boldness muscle, day by day, action by action. 
so that you just you it becomes your default mode and you say i am just going to talk to people in an elevator i am just going to walk up and and have this conversation that with these three people who are talking to each other i'm just going to go up and introduce myself i see richard branson i'm going to walk over and talk to him i you know whatever it is i'm going to i'm going to do those things i'm going to be the one who acts rather than the one who regrets but it starts gradually one of the principles in the book is dosage controlling the intensity of the experience so that you don't crawl back into your shell and stay there for the next five years you build it up very gradually with the exercises so that when something big comes along you say i know what to do i know how to tap into my boldness even though i don't i'm not confident about this that's that man or that woman that you want to meet you're going to say i'm going to force myself to walk across the room because then i'll be standing in front of her and i'll have to come up with something and because you built your boldness muscle you're relaxed and energized at the same time and you do come up with something and it doesn't have to be brilliant it's it, you just have to act like you should be talking to that person and they respond accordingly because you know how to behave like a normal person you're you're in control of this field around you that is radiating i belong here it's a powerful thing and anybody can do it anybody can learn it if i can learn it anybody can learn it i people who know me from my youth and high school and college will all say he's not the same he never he's transformed himself and i didn't and it's and I, it's not a different me it's just i am bringing my full self to every situation i want to that's what boldness really is that's what super bold really is is you're not trying to get attention or anything like that you're chasing your dreams and you want a full life with very few regrets so you're bringing your full self with the belief that if you don't you're actually depriving other people of your full self that's that you're being selfish by not letting them know you and and meet you and partake of you and 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 they may or may not be interested but the great thing is you don't have to care we live in this weird mindset where that stops us where we need everybody to like us which is not humanly possible or really necessary it's kind of cumbersome when everybody likes you you know or everybody loves you you you, you can't go to the movies or out to dinner anymore uh, you know as they say fame's great for about a day and a half but you're ju you're just trying to find the the place you want to be and the dreams you want to achieve and challenge yourself so that it, you know at the, at, when your life ends you're you say wow i left it all on the mat i'm broken i'm broken and uh i wouldn't trade one minute of it because you know we're in the game of life but we don't know how long the coach is going to let us play and we're all pretending we've got another decade to get the stuff or three decades or six and sometimes we got about 15 minutes you know that's that's the reality that we live that we're in denial about so i get to stuff i say what needs to be said i try things i want to try i bring my full self to as many situations as i possibly can what's the greatest thing in your opinion you've been able to achieve through the act of boldness i think the the, the greatest thing was to it shifted my focus from myself and thinking about myself so much to how what's the contribution i can make to anyone that i encounter to just you know I, i'll walk into that starbucks and i'll 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 get my coffee and i'll take a sip and i'll go back to the barista and say this was absolute this is absolutely fantastic this you have made my day and i have made their day by doing that we both got something out of it because they feel great because you know most people there they get complaints about what they didn't do right i like to tell i like to make somebody feel good about themselves that's that's kind of my operative principle is how can i make somebody feel better about themselves even as a leader how can i make them feel like they can achieve more than they think they can and lift them up to that point 
guide them to how they can become that. But it starts with believing that there's more to them than they thought. That's what any good leader does. That's what any good manager does. I love that answer, Fred. And before you go too far into it, I I want us to, maybe there's a little bit of recapping here, but you started to go down that path. If we looked at boldness and being super bold from a leadership perspective, why should leaders care about this topic? Leaders could be business owners leading a team or you know, middle managers leading a team in a big organization. There's lots of definitions of leaders. Why should they care about this? I'll, I'll pick a couple of things that are so critical. It takes boldness to give feedback when it needs to be given, at the moment it needs to be given, not saying, oh, I'll give the feedback in the annual review nine months from now because it feels more comfortable to put it off when actually what that person needs to know is they're off course right now because they probably don't know. Most people are doing their job, think they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And if they're not doing it well or they're doing it, you know, you want to say to them, you're doing an average job. Guess what? That's not acceptable. We're not here. Nobody here is, is here for us to do average work. We, the, the business can't afford it. So let's talk about how we're going to elevate you. L- what does that need? And what happens is you don't overcharge it because you're bold enough to say it when it needs to be said rather than letting it build up in your mind till you finally yell at them and say, you're just completely incompetent and you're late all the time. And by the way, you look funny, uh, you know, like, and it's eventually you're just, you're off the rails. You're a lunatic, which is, I've had those bosses, you know? So being able to give feedback boldly, and guess what the other side is? Being able to accept feedback, take criticism. That takes boldness to say, tell me where I'm off course. I'll, I'll do that at the end of this podcast with you. I'll say, how could I have been a better guest? And you're going to say, stop talking in really long stretches and let me get a word in edgewise probably. Because <laughs> uh, that's what it's I tend to do. Fred. It's an interview. I've said it to so many guests. It's an interview. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> and so those are two things. It ta- hey, it takes boldness to raise money. You gotta, you gotta stand in front of that room and, and present passionately like you are the one to make this happen. It's not going to be your slide deck. It's not going to be your financial project projections. They know those are fiction. What investors do, and my, my personal coach loves this phrase and I love it too, is investors bet on the jockey, not the horse. Okay, there's a million good ideas out there. There's a million business opportunities out there. Can you execute it? Can you do what it takes to make this business work or change it? Listen to the marketplace enough to evolve it so that my investing in you returns tenfold. Are you that person? Are you that woman? Are you that man who is who is going to do what it takes? And you can't hide and say, I'm not really that, you know, I don't really present well in, in front of people. Too bad. You got to do it. You got you to get good at it. It's not a genetic problem. It's a mindset problem. And you got to get better. If you want, hey, I, I, I just recently interviewed this woman when she was 19 years old. She started doing a summer job going door to door selling the equivalent educational courses like encyclopedias. She did this for four summers in a row. She averaged 5,000 doors a summer that she would knock on. Now, at 19 years old, that takes a lot of gumption. That takes a lot of boldness. But what happened is she built her boldness muscle so much she couldn't, you know, the rejection eventually doesn't mean anything. You know, after, you know, a thousand doors slam in your face, it, it's hard to take it personally. And, and especially since you're selling on top of it because somebody lets you in. The reward loop is there. And she understood the ratio. She went, I'm going to knock on a hundred doors. 10 people are going to let me in. Three people are going to buy from me. So I just got to knock on a hundred more doors and not blame, get mad at the people who slam the door, not get depressed, not get bummed out. 
She built her boldness muscle at 19. And now at 32, she's this huge international sales advisor and coach to corporations. And, and she's a, an amazing woman on top of it. But just saying, I'm going to, I'm going to be bold enough to do this, even though I'm sure the first hundred doors and the first hundred door slams was pretty painful. But, yeah, it, you know, if you're going to build it, if, if you're going to try to get as many customers as to make your business really successful, you got to be bold enough to dial the phone or knock on the door or walk up to people, whatever, whatever that is. If, if you need customers, you got to be bold enough to ask for the money. Because we, we know there's plenty of salespeople that aren't really salespeople. They're conversationalists because they can get right up to the, to the, to the point where they got to ask for the money and they're done for. They got nothing. A salesperson gets the money and it takes boldness to know that you're not always going to get the money, but you got to ask for it or you're going to get a lot less of the money. You mentioned feedback, a very, very hot and fantastic topic around the leadership circles, there's no doubt. So thanks for mentioning it. Can we do an exercise, Fred? Can we use that lens of feedback, which if we talk about constructive feedback, let's say, which is probably the thing that requires more boldness for leaders, can we use that lens and can you help me learn to be more bold through the lens of feedback? Can we talk through that? Yeah. uh, So there's steps to to um building your boldness muscle the first step is preparation the second step is relaxing and so those if you're giving feedback you want to be prepared to give that feedback which means you may have to rehearse that with somebody else you say look i i i need to talk to edwin about you know he keeps over promising and because of it we keep under delivering because we can't deliver what he promises in his pitch but he's He's doing a lot of sales. So I have to sit down with him and I don't want to, I don't want to discourage him from selling because he's really good at it. He's re- like, he really goes for it, but he can't control his overpromising. So I'm going to sit there with, Hey, could be my personal assistant or it could be my partner or whatever. I'm going to say, let me, let me run through how I'm going to talk to Edwin about this. And then the step two is relaxing. And when you relax yourself, you don't overcharge the situation. Just like waiting builds up the pressure and, and now you go to Edwin. It's like, if you do this once more, you're, you're fired. You don't want to fire Edwin. You just feel like saying that. But Edwin hears, you know, very few things make a person sell less than, the, than threats. And I don't know if there's so many managers that don't understand this. Um, you want to motivate salespeople. You don't do it by it's, it's not all stick and no carrot. It's put the stick down and give them guidance, give them an insight. And, you know, my brother has always been really good at this. He's been a sales coach for a long time. He was always good at giving candid feedback that was never overcharged and you could see the people receive it because of the way he did it. So when you're prepared and when you're relaxed and you've got the verbiage down and then you're listening to that person and they, and they, and you may find out why, why Edwin does that. Cause you say, and that's really what you're almost what you're rehearsing. You're going to say, you know, I'm listening to the recordings of your pitches and you do a great job. The problem is you're selling something slightly different than what we offer. And I really want it because you're doing such a good job of selling and you got so many things are, are so strong. I need to understand why you feel the need to overpromise in the product. Can you help me see that? That's a whole different feedback session because he's going to say, do I do that? And I'd say, well, here's an example. You know, we're, we're not open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We close on all the holidays and from 2 to 4 a.m., we, we're, we don't answer the phone. Yeah, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. So it's very hard to meet that expectation with the customer. So the customer gets discouraged. Do you see how the customer has expected one thing because you told them they were going to get it? And now they're disappointed. Whereas if you just told them what they were going to get, they would be satisfied. They would probably be overjoyed. But you you gave them more expectation than we can satisfy. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's try this month to just sell what we have. And then we'll, we'll see where we are in, in next month. 
because, you know, I got a certain number of customer service calls and I'd like to see them reduced down to 10% of what they are based on what you're selling. What do you think about that? After so that, in, you're fired. <laughs> in relation to that, so you developed this pride model and that's what you're taking us through. We're right. about to yes. with the pride model at the moment. So the, the, the pride method is how you build your boldness muscle. Preparation, so it's an acronym. Preparation, relaxing, insight, yep. dosage, which I mentioned already, and everyday action. So you're going to build your mu- boldness muscle every day because that's how you get better. The things that you get to every day in one form or other you know, whether it's your marriage or or your job or whatever, where you're deliberately trying to get better on a day to basis or, or basis or eat better or exercise more. What you get to every day aggregates. What you think you might get to disintegrates because it's a heck of a lot easier to not get to stuff than it is to get to stuff. But if you say, I'm going to do it every day, then you're going to do it every you 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 don't have to figure out whether you're going to do it or not. You say I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a bowl. I'm going to I'm going to smile at five people every day, or I'm going to say hi to five people every day, or I'm going to compliment a stranger every day, every day. And if I haven't done it before I go to bed, then I got to get up and I got to go. I got to go. You know, walk into a, a grocery store and pay somebody a compliment so I can come back and go to bed. But so that I emphasize everyday action. Sorry, Fred, is that where you recommend some people start? So we talk you talk through the lens of feedback, which is can be a challenging topic for leaders, particularly newish leaders or even experienced leaders. Doing some of those little things like complimenting people in a coffee shop or whatever that is, is that where you recommend people start to build their boldness muscle? Yeah, because you're practicing when it doesn't matter. And so your prepar- your your preparation is you see somebody in a coffee shop. Oh, I'm going to compliment their glasses. I'm going to walk. I'm going to take a few deep breaths to relax myself if I'm feeling anxious about talking to a stranger. And I'm just going to say, those are great glasses. Now, there's in that is something really important in in terms of meeting people. So I'm going to and I, I talk about a lot of these things in the book as well. You don't have any agenda. You're not out to get anything except to make that person feel better about themselves. You have no gain in mind. And people sense that. That's what makes you so approachable and so able to approach is you don't approach with an agenda like you're networking or you're building contacts or you're looking for customers or whatever. You're just looking to connect. You're looking to be to make an act of kindness, an act of generosity. And walk away. That's the, the, when you start with the, the, what I call the drive by compliment, you say, those are great looking ga- glasses. I just wanted to tell you, I don't know where you got them, but they really match your face. And then you're gone. And they've just, wow, that, that person just couldn't resist telling me how great I looked. And they, and they get to savor that. And you get to say, I did it. I did, I did a drive by and it worked. I made them, I walked around sprinkling my fairy dust and it worked. What happens is you just get comfortable expressing yourself. And as a, as a, as a leader, the easiest way to be able to give feedback is if you've gotten really good at expressing appreciation on a day-to-day basis, because now you've laid a foundation of appreciation with your team. So you can come in and say, you know, you know, I think you're great and I think you do amazing work, but you're consistently 15 minutes late. And I really need to understand why, because you know that that at a certain point we're missing leads that you need to get to because you're you just can't seem to get here on time. So what's going on? So you've got this whole layer of appreciation that you are standing on. Because there's too many bosses that they only they only speak to somebody when it's something negative to tell somebody. So they have no lay. The, the person thinks, "Wow, I'm I'm just a screw up here. I'm I'm one second away from being fired." Because that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, why are they there if you're ready to fire them at any moment? Because let's there's another thing. It takes boldness to fire somebody who doesn't belong there. Doesn't matter if it's your brother-in-law. You have to fire people sooner. 
it takes boldness to do it. I fired a lot of friends over the years because I'm dumb enough to hire them. And, uh, and when you fortunately my, my, my brother was my greatest, em, uh, employee and, you know, uh, very much the yin to my yang. And I've been blessed to have him in there, but that doesn't always go that way. It go most of the time it doesn't go that way. So I've had to step up many times and and eventually here's the other thing and this is just a leadership lesson from running a business for 30 years is when you let that person go 100% of the time in my career it was worse than you thought they were doing more damage than you knew 100% of the time so you're you're actually the, the tumor ran deeper than you thought you knew they didn't belong there, but you didn't know how badly they didn't belong there. You didn't know how much damage they were doing. Hesitation. Again, I'm going to hesitate. Oh, maybe I'm going to give them one more chance because it doesn't feel good to fire people. Nobody enjoys fire. Well, there's probably somebody does, but the job is not about feeling good. It's about respecting all of your employees and, and saying it's not fair to everybody else to keep this person here. And expect them to do A player work when he's doing D minus work and still gets to stay here. They slide down to B's and C's because it's like, why am I working so hard if he doesn't? So it's you're, you're it's, it's, and you're not being fair to that person who sucks at what they do. You get you you say, look, how long are you gonna let them suck at what they do? He's like, you need to know now that you're not good at this job and you need to go figure out how to be better at a job, but not here. That leadership lesson you've just shared is absolutely so important and fantastic in relation to boldness. I'm going to get you to say it again as succinctly as you can. What is Fred Joel's number one leadership lesson in running a business for 30 years? Not just any business, a very, very successful 1-800 dentist business. Be bold enough to let that person go as soon as you believe they don't belong there. Speak up, step up, pull the trigger because it's actually worse than you're perceiving and you won't know that until they're gone but what's going to happen over and over again is you're going to learn that it was worse and what's going to happen is you're going to regain the respect of the rest of the team because you didn't tolerate that person being there it's affecting how they respect you if when you let that person stay and underperform thank you fred let's indulge ourselves a little bit I reckon there aren't too many people in the world that haven't got this feeling of, I saw this famous person, I wish I just went up and spoke to them. So let's use that lens because it's something that, leader or not, you can probably relate to. I know I can. I'm there. I'm waiting to meet Richard Branson. I know you play chess and all those sorts of things with Richard Branson, but I've never met Richard Branson. So let's say that I'm there and I see him. How do I quickly run through the pride method? to get me to get get in front of him and have a chat. So you're going to prepare what you're going to say. And all that matters is you're not trying to impress him with how clever you are or how funny you are or how experienced you are. You're just going to come up and say something r relevant that he would react to that isn't necessarily brilliant or funny, but it's it's not, hey, can we get a selfie together? I'm a big fan of yours because he gets that, okay? That may mm. actually happen because he's, he's a generous enough person that he'll take the selfie with you, but you didn't meet Richard Branson. You didn't have an interaction with Sir Richard. You took a picture and you are pretending to your friends that you met Richard Branson. What you can do is you go up and say, you know, I just wanna let you know that I was so inspired about you going into outer space because I've always been terrified of the idea of that. Much as I would love to, it just scares the heck out of me. But but to see you do that as a civilian just inspires me. And I just want to thank you for that. You know what he's going to say? Oh, man, I was scared. I was terrified. It, it, was, it was a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I've been in planes. I've been in hot air balloons. That's been dangerous enough. But a spaceship? And you're going to, and he's going to, he's going to be candid with you about that because 
first of all, you were prepared, you knew what you wanted to talk about, and you, you expressed what you had for him, which was admiration. But you didn't gush about it. And you didn't come from a place of need. I need you to acknowledge me. I need you to take a picture with me. I need you to be impressed with me. No, you made a choice of gratitude. You want to connect with him by the impact you, he's had on your life in some way. And that you can do that with anybody. I have done it with so many people that people are, they're afraid. I can't go talk to him or I can't go talk to her. No, she's too famous. She's too this. She's too that. I said, yeah, if you go over with your camera, yeah, it's going to, it's not going to go that well. And if you go, the, the worst thing I said, just as an aside, if you recognize an actor, but you can't remember their name, do not go up to them and say, you're that guy that was in that movie with that <laughs> other guy. I can't remember your name. What's your name? His, you know, his, they want to say, here's my name. My name is get out of my face. Um, <laughs> but I see people do it all the time. If you can't remember their name, start, get your phone out and try to figure out who they are. Otherwise, let it go. But it's not, it's not about collecting selfies anyway. It's about collecting moments. I mm. talk about, you know, when people say carpe diem, I say carpe momentum. That's the rich life is when you seize the moments, those mm. precious little moments in life where you see an older woman struggling on a stairway and you walk up and say, would you like to take my arm? When you see somebody who's clearly dressed really wildly, but they got a really glum look on their face and you say, you know what? It's so exciting to see the way you dress. It really, it, it, you've made my day. To be able to be generous, to be to be more concerned about the impact you can have on somebody else than on what you can gain for yourself. That's when life gets rich. That's when life gets fulfilling. And it took me a long time to learn that, but I'm glad I did and because that's how I moved through the world. Reminds me of that wonderful saying, be more interested than interesting when you meet people. And I think the question I would ask Sir Richard off the back of this conversation is what made you so bold to achieve the things you've achieved? I'd love to hear his answer around that. And he would say, I, I, I would probably define myself as an introvert, but I had to get the business rolling. I had to do something. So I, I did the crazy thing. You know, I rode the tank through Times Square when I launched Virgin Records, you know, and, and I bungee jumped off of the side of the Palms Hotel and stuff. And Seems some pretty you know, he's, stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it's, it takes boldness to say, I'm going to start an airline or I'm going to buy an island. And, and he just, what happened is he's done it enough that he doesn't buy into, oh, I'm shy or I'm an introvert. He says, I'm going to try it and um, it's probably going to work. And he'll, and, you know, I had this conversation with him and I said, well, you know, what was the biggest miss for you? Because I said, you, you had a lot of wins. And he said, oh, yeah, he says, launching the cola business, he says Virgin Cola. He said, I just didn't understand the business. And, and these, these big brands, Coke and Pepsi, they just leveled me. He said, they, they just took all the shelf space and it, it was game over. And he says, I just, I didn't belong in the business. And, it, you know, to hear some, a billionaire be humble is an interesting conversation. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I bet. Mate, one of the points you'd mentioned in some of the preparation we were having before chatting today was what bold people know that most people don't. So what is that? Well, see, that's the, in the pride method. The insights are two key insights. Most of the time, nothing bad happens unless you decide to label it that way, just like embarrassment. You don't have to be embarrassed. It can be funny. It can be, you can laugh along with people. You can, you can say, I'm, it, you know, it humanizes us to do stupid things. And I'll give you an example of nothing bad happens unless you label it that way. And then I want to get to the other point. But my favorite story is a friend of mine who's, she was a, a speaker. She's a really good public speaker, very dynamic. And she walks onto stage with it and she's got, you know, five, 600 people in the room. And she's 10 minutes into her speech. And she snaps a high heel off her shoe. And there's like a, like there's silence, except for some women gasping 
because that's horrifying to a woman to have that happen anywhere but on stage in front of 500 people and she looks down kicks off her shoes and says well i guess i need to start spending more than 30 bucks on shoes and the whole place just busts out laughing because they're so anxious for her right and that that and suddenly she's not embarrassed she's not upset she's making a joke about this she owns them from that moment on because she's human she went like oh well that that went about as bad as it could go except i don't i'm not going to treat it like it's a bad thing it's a funny thing so that's that ability to say nothing bad is going to happen unless i decide to label it that way I walk up to Richard Branson and he says, look, I'm, I'm really busy. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody right now. I don't have time to talk. Nothing bad happened. He's, he's having an important meeting and he doesn't know me. I don't have to label that as bad. I label that as normal. Mm. He didn't have time for a complete stranger at that moment. Guess what? Do you have time for strangers 24 hours a day? I don't think so. So why do you take it on? Why would you feel bad about it? And that's part of it. The other big insight is people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. They're thinking about themselves. Think about what you're doing all the time. You're walking around, you know, judging people without any information. Oh, that guy's too tall. He's going to have a heart attack. You know, tall people, their, their hearts don't last long. And that guy should never wear that suit. And that person needs to lose weight. We do all and we walk around with all of this stuff. And that's what people are doing to us, except they don't know us. So we don't worry about it. And all you have to do is stop worrying about, you know, like the younger you can learn to stop worrying about what strangers think about you, the broader and more wonderful your life will become. Because bold people, there's a half a dozen people whose opinions really matter to them. And the rest, it's incidental whether they, they care or not. It's like, oh, I, you know, when I'm public speaking, when I'm doing a keynote, I care about what the audience thinks about me, but I know that 10% of them are going to think I'm an idiot. They're going to say he's full of it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a show off. He's an idiot. And 10% of them are going to think I'm the most brilliant person that they've ever heard speak. Both of those groups are wrong, pretty much, right? In the way I look at it. But either way, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to worry about the rest of them that I'm making a contribution to. And that's all I'm worrying about. The rest, I can't worry about everybody's opinion. It takes too much energy and there's no way to persuade them. I mean, it's like, you know, somebody's political belief. Have you ever convinced anybody to think differently about politics? It's like, why put the energy into it? Why worry about what they think? Why, why even have a judgment about it? Who knows where it came from? But they're not moving often. So talk about something fun. Yeah, absolutely. Both great points. Thank you for sharing. What's your hope for leaders in taking up the super bold mantle? What do you hope to achieve? I want them to see that the, the primary role of being a leader is to uplift the people that are doing the work in their business. Because if you do that, then the business will succeed to whatever level it possibly can. And to say, how do I make them feel better about themselves, want to get better and be open to the criticism? The way you make them open to feedback is you be open to feedback. You be comfortable admitting you're wrong. The worst kind of leader is the one looking for somebody to blame whenever thing goes wrong or anything goes wrong. The, the first part of the meeting is whose fault is this? That's not leadership. That's the opposite. So you have to be bold enough to say, look, I let it happen. I hired them. I gave them permission. I gave them free reign to do that. I, we tried this project and it didn't go right. I'm accepting responsibility for, for the choices that, that I made led to that. All of a sudden, the, the whole room has to say, if he's going to admit he's wrong, if he's going to take responsibility, then that's what I have to do. You know, it's, it's axiomatic. You have to lead by example. But a lot of people don't. It's like, you're going to do what you do, and I'm going to behave the way I'm going to behave. And those things don't necessarily intersect. Go by what, don't go by what I do. Go by what I'm telling you to do. That's not what happens. You know, every business either thrives 
or fails by what's going on at the top. Look at all of these businesses. You know, we're looking at this this massive crypto collapse right now. This is one guy whose whose total lack of integrity created a whole company with the total lack of integrity because they had they had clear permission to. It's like, oh well, I know the law says we can't lend a subdivision a hundred million dollars, but the, the, it needs it right now. So we're going to do it regardless of the law. That kind of stuff. It always comes from the top. Yeah, it's something fresh in my head at the moment, mate. I've started watching FIFA Uncovered on Netflix, and I think I'm going to have to snippet this bit out and send it off to Mr. Seth Blatter. <laughs> he didn't take a lot of responsibility in anything. <laughs> um, anyway, well, I mean, that's that's the whole thing is when a, when a leader is trying to dodge responsibility and blame somebody else, for, you know, it, it was probably Ronald Reagan, but I can't remember, and he, and he basically said – the worst kind of leader is the one who takes credit for everything that goes right and blame gives out blame for everything that goes wrong. And it wasn't Reagan. Reagan said something else. He said, which is also very interesting. And another great leadership principle is it's amazing what someone can accomplish when they don't need the credit for it. Love that. It's like when the business succeeds and you can say, look at what you guys accomplished. Instead of, you know, immediately, you know, jumping on the table with the champagne and like, look at me, look at this business I created. You know, we, we, we did $20 million this year, whatever the heck it is. The more it's not about you, the more the business thrives. And I think that, you know, my, my business, my partner and I, we ran a business where the number one priority was we wanted a great place to go to work every day. And we and the second priority was everybody has to win the employees, the customers, whoever whoever we were serving. And then third was he had to be profitable. We had to make money, but money never moved up past the first two. And that's what happens with a lot of businesses. It's like oh well, we, we can fudge the integrity here, or we can underpay these people, or we can lay ten thousand people off. The number of public companies that have a board meeting. And at Christmas time, lay 10,000 people off so that they can bonus the executive suite and the shareholders with a dividend. That's appalling behavior. And it's like, hey, you're digging your own grave spiritually in my mind when you do that, because you suddenly decided to worship money. I'm, I'm yeah, digressing yeah. seriously away from Super Bowl here, but I feel very strongly about that. I think I think when I mentioned FIFA uncovered, it got you on that on that diatribe, didn't it? <laughs> you started to go down that path. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I apologise, Fred. <laughs> you wound me up on that one. Hey, look, you make some fantastic points. It's that the thing that I find fascinating around some of these things that you're talking about and sharing is that they're not being talked about enough. They're sort of being dusted under the carpet. And how can we? help solve things? How can people change behavior and impact things if it's just being sort of pushed under the rug? It doesn't help at all in so many areas, to be honest. What's the one thing that's helped you become this more confident leader? Is realizing that amazing, unexpected things happen when you are bold. Amazing moments, amazing experiences, amazing impact that you may have on somebody. And it does doesn't have to be grandiose. I mean, your boldness goal could be the best mom you could possibly be or the best, you know, uh advisor you can be or the best politician or whatever. You you don't have to make a huge contribution in the world. You could say I I'm a plumber and I want to be the best plumber I can be so that in, when people talk about me, they say, I was glad I had him on the crew and, and I'm glad he, he did the work. That's bold enough to chase your dreams and, and being the best you can be at whatever level. It doesn't mean you're going to be a world beater or a billionaire or, or, or famous or any of those things. So it was when I realized that these amazing things would happen that I couldn't plan when I was bold. So and and that's why I say there's there's whatever you're doing in life there's bold action where you can you can have an impact on people because you decided to speak up. You could be a waiter and say this person you know I I I I served this meal to them 
and they're not really they don't they're not really eating that steak. And so I, I'm gonna I, I can go up to them and say, I noticed you're picking at the steak. Is everything all right? And they say, No, no, it's it's fine. And you say, You know what? Let me bring the steak back. Is there something else I can get you? Instead of saying it's the chef's problem, the chef cooked it wrong. I don't, you know, I don't want to venture into this problem. Instead, you you're bold enough to say, I'm not comfortable with you not finishing your meal. Like you're not hungry. Would you like something else? It's my job to feed you. <laughs> and I, I really want you to be satisfied. Now, if you just don't, you don't, you decided you didn't want steak, maybe we can figure something else out. I'll bring you a mountain of mashed potatoes. But to just to say, I am going to step forward. And the, the, the thing may be that the person says, you know what? I'm sitting here eating steak and I had, I had made the decision a week ago to be a, a vegetarian and here I am already violating it. And you say, wow, that's interesting. We have an excellent vegetarian meal that I can replace that with and you can forgive yourself. Think of that. Think of how in the simplest situation that becomes this amazing unexpected interaction because you are bold enough to step up, to speak up. And there will be times in your life where it will matter significantly either to yourself or to other people that you speak up, that you step up, that you approach that person. You, the person who could have a profound impact on your life or that you could have a profound impact on their life is out there waiting for you to venture out of your comfort zone and do something and say something. Yeah, it seems like a great place to finish, mate, because it's almost like that act of boldness generates honest and genuine conversations. People are being more honest and genuine around things, which is absolutely fantastic and fundamental to what we're about on Creating Confident Leaders and the Culture of Leadership podcast. There was one thing I was a little bit, I wouldn't say anxious, but a little bit worried about before coming on with you today. And that was like, geez, I talk about creating confident leaders. And I started to think, well, confidence leads to boldness. Maybe I should be creating bold leaders. I was so happy when you said early up at you know, the top of the show, how boldness leads to confidence. So that made me far more relaxed. I'm happy with what we're trying <laughs> to do at the Cultural Leadership Podcast and creating confident leaders. Mate, I really appreciate you and what you've shared with us today. I'm going to, you did some maths before on the 10% and 10% at the top and bottom. I'm definitely feel you're in that 80%. You've given enormous value today, had a great conversation. It's been fascinating for me, learning more about bold and being super bold. And I certainly want to, I certainly will take up more of that mantle more often because it's something that we all need to do. Thanks for being a fantastic guest all the way from New York City on the Cultural Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Brendan. It's been a, a blast. I appreciate it. Thank you, mate. Before this interview, had you ever considered whether confidence leads to boldness or whether boldness leads to confidence? I know I hadn't. Given the culture of leadership is all about having conversations to create confident leaders, I'm glad the right answer was boldness leads to confidence. Confidence is a feeling you have when you complete an act of boldness. Boldness can be learnt. Use the pride method. Preparation, relax, insight, dosage, everyday action to help you. What will you do to practice boldness? These are my three key takeaways from my conversation with Fred. My first key takeaway, leaders practice being bold. This could be giving feedback or asking for feedback. It could be making tough decisions or speaking up in a meeting to disagree with another person. Being bold will build your confidence and ultimately your impact in the world. This is why the best leaders practice being bold. My second key takeaway, leaders make others feel good. Use your boldness to compliment a stranger or buy someone a coffee. Use a random act of kindness to really connect with another person. It's also another great way to practice being bold and to make others feel good. My third key takeaway, leaders take action with bad employees. They know a bad employee is doing more damage in the organization than what the leader actually sees. By keeping bad employees, you're disrespecting all the other good employees. Leaders are bold enough to take action with a bad employee and move them on. So in summary, my three key takeaways were, leaders practice being bold. Leaders make others feel good. 
and leaders take action with bad employees. What were your key takeaways? You can let me know at theculturalleadership.com, on YouTube, or via our socials. Thanks for joining me, and remember, the best outcome is on the other side of a genuine conversation. Thanks for listening to The Culture of Leadership. You can access the show notes at theculturaofleadership.com. If you enjoy the show, please follow, rate, and give a review on your favorite podcast platform. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.